This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair. I'm digital director Mike Hogan and I'm here with our film critic Richard Lawson. Hello. Richard, it's just the two of us today. Yep, you know, we just we decided that we've had too many female voices on this show, and we're just <laughs> we're, going, we're going men's rights here. I feel like this yeah. is like when Trump finally had to just do a one-on-one <laughs> yeah. debate. Like, can we get through it without the crush? Well, I, I'm of... going to be sniffing a lot. Yeah, for, great. For, for, great. For, for I just did a lot of coke. Yeah, right. so I'm ready to talk. Yeah, kind of a relief to talk about something other than Trump. Although it I is. feel like Trump will worm his way into this conversation in He's various ways. He's affected all things. <laughs> it's yeah. just like uh, it's like the weather, really bad weather. <laughs> but we want to talk about. We got some new trailers, new mm-hmm. awardsy trailers to talk about. Yeah, we've both seen some movies. You, as usual, are on the cutting edge, seeing movies that no one else has seen. I, as usual, am seeing movies that every other critic has seen, but. <laughs> Still, maybe some people in our audience haven't seen it, so we can Most keep talking about it. Most people in our audience, it's not out in theaters. Right. So, yeah. Then we're going to talk about a movie, hopefully people have seen, Wiener, in light of some of the new stuff going on with Anthony Wiener, mm-hmm. which just gets darker and darker. It's just, like, not good. Yeah. Then we'll talk about Best Actor, which is definitely less stacked than Best Actress, but no less interesting. Yeah. Partly because it's sort of unclear who's It's interesting to have it. a year when it's not it's interestingly full of unstacked yeah. yeah yeah sparse well i don't know i don't want to be insulting but anyway we're going to come back to that first of all trailers yeah which one you want to take first i think the big one is fences yeah. hey pop mm. can i ask you a question how come you ain't never liked me like you what law is there say i got to like you none all right then don't you eat every day Answer me when I talk to you. Don't you eat every day? Yeah. As long as you're in my house, you put a sir on the end of it when you talk to me. Yes, sir. You eat every day. Yes, sir. Got a roof over your head. Yes, sir. Got clothes on your back. Yes, sir. Why do you think that is? Because of you. <laughs> Hell, I know it's because of me. But why do you think that is? Because you like me? Like you. I go out of here every morning. I bust my butt because I like you. You're about the biggest fool I ever saw. A man is supposed to take care of his family. You live in my house, fill your belly with my food, put your behind on my bed because you're my son. It's my duty to take care of you. I owe a responsibility to you. I ain't got to like you. Now, I don't give you everything I got to give you. I give you your life. Me and your mama worked that out. Between us and liking your black ass wasn't part of the bargain. Now, don't you go through life worrying about whether somebody like you or not. You best be making sure that they're doing right by you. You understand what I'm saying? Everything that boy do, he do for you. It's not easy for me to admit that I've been standing in the same place for 18 years. Well, I've been standing with you. I gave 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. (laughs) 
this movie has been sort of talked about in a very you know shadowy way because we didn't know anything right. about it it wasn't even clear if it was coming out this year until very recently right. so now to actually have footage mostly of denzel just acting the hell out of these august wilson lines yeah. um it's pretty exciting it looks good right and no one has seen this movie i mean i think no. i, I ran I into viola davis after the emmys i'm just gonna do that mm-hmm. yeah and she said she hadn't seen it either. Like, no one's seen it. Yeah. I, I don't think, think, Denzel I mean, I has think it's it. not finished he's, yet. And he's the director. Denzel Washington did direct it. I think this is his third film. Uh, he did Antoine Fisher and The Great Debaters and now this as a director. Yes. Oh, uh, and he uh, directed an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Oh, I didn't know that. Who knew? That's cool. There's a lot of first-time actor-directors yeah. this year. That's not what this is. No. Also, it's a play that they did on Broadway. The two of them. Viola won the Tony. She did. Yep. To give a little context, so August Wilson, the great late playwright, wrote 10 plays, one for each decade of the 20th century. Yes. And Fences is, I believe... It's set in the 50s. It's set in the 50s. Written in 1983. Right. So it's the one for the 50s, and it's, I think, generally held as the sort of hallmark of this 10-play cycle. Like, it's the big one. It's produced a lot. Well, it's also got a simple kind of set and small cast, so that helps. But it's a really strong play. You know, August Wilson is very kind of speechy and a lot of yelling. Right. He's, it's basically like the Arthur Miller of the African-American experience, if, yes. you, want, if you want to say that. That's a um, great way to put it. So that could make for a hell of a movie. I kind of wish that they were just doing it as a play. Mm. Like the trailer indicates that we're not just going to be in the backyard. We're going to go some, you know, other places. Yes. There, you know, so that makes me a little nervous because sometimes that transition from taking play dialogue and removing it from its setting and putting it somewhere else can be a little wonky. Yeah, but I agree. Hopefully, because Washington knows this material so well, he treats it carefully. But. I would say that based on this, you know, two minutes of trailer or whatever it is, an already kind of running high on the Oscar prediction scale, I think it's even higher now. It, I think it's kind of at the top of a lot of people's sort of curiosity list. Yeah, absolutely. Well, everyone's dying to see, is this thing going to be good? Mm-hmm. And I like the way they structured the trailer. It's a kind of trailer you do when you haven't finished the movie yet. Exactly. But it's also effective, right? It's basically yeah. one speech yeah. um, by Denzel, then with a little bit more at the end. Well, well, yeah. really, what's funny is it's this one speech. It starts with his son saying, do you like me? Yeah. And him giving this sort of heartbreaking speech in response where it's like it doesn't matter if i like you i put food on your plate i'm taking care of clothes on your back right it's my responsibility don't worry if people like you in life which is not the worst advice right and then tacked on there as we start to see more and more scenes certainly outside of the backyard is a very important scene of viola davis with snot coming out of her nose crying yeah right because that's important for us to know oh yeah as oscar watchers Yeah, yeah yeah Which is anytime you cry and snot comes out of your nose, that's an automatic sign for Oscar voters that this is very serious now. You need to pay attention because there could be an award here. All vanity has been removed from the equation. They're just giving it. Yeah. So Um, that's in there. That's that's in there. We now know that there is a mucusy crying scene with Viola Davis who has been kind of floating around as either a lock to win Best Actress or a lock to win Best Supporting Actress just based on whatever Scott Rudin decides to run her (laughs) as. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I think as we'll talk in our last segment today about Best Actor, it is interesting that until this trailer dropped, everyone was just, I mean, Denzel was in the conversation, but it was mostly Viola because of this weird category thing or whatever. But now it's like, oh, right, Denzel Washington is actually the real star right. of this movie. Yeah. And we should be talking about both of them, basically. And if we're going to get really conspiratorial, do you think that the trailer is setting her up as supporting? Because he says, you know, 
I got to deal with the fact that I've been stuck in the same place for 18 years. And she says, well, I've been by your side as the snot pours out of her oh, face. I, <laughs> so is that, yeah, that, is that setting be. her up as supporting? Or mm-hmm. is it an argument saying I deserve to be equal with you, in which case it's best actress? I think, think you it really way. is what we bring into it, Mike. And our, our interpretation <laughs> is born out of our own <laughs> something internal. I like both theories, actually. Okay. So, so I think we still just don't know. It's still open. The latest I've heard, and this is all the same few people sort of swirling around in this conversation the latest i've heard is that they haven't even made a decision yet right they just don't know so we'll see i i would be shocked at this point if they didn't run her in lead but who knows i'm david remnick host of the new yorker radio hour there's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters In print or here on the podcast, The New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts. Wondry's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip-syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segeith, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. So speaking of the lead versus boarding. Speaking of the lead. Yeah. The next trailer we want to talk about. Yeah. 20th Century Women. Yeah. Annette Benning. Annette Benning. Yeah. We've always believed that the days of our children would be better than our own. But we've discovered that owning things and consuming things does not satisfy our longing for meaning. Wow. He is so screwed. It's over for him. I thought that was beautiful. Stop. What? Thinking that you know everything that's going on. No, I don't. I just think that, you know, having your heart broken is a tremendous way to learn about the world. I see the shapes. This is the really hard part, and then it gets better, and then it gets hard again. (laughs) Do you think you're happy? Seriously? Look, wondering if you're happy, it's a great shortcut to just being depressed. I have to say, just aesthetically, this is hitting all my buttons aesthetically, right? It's a little bit kind of like for guys who are my age, it has almost like a 90s perfect taste 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Little, 90s white guy with perfect taste. Right, right. It's set, set in, in the 70s. Late 70s, right? Um, yeah. You know, Mike Mills is an interesting filmmaker. This looks to be a little less... I mean, again, we're basing this off of two minutes, but this looks a little less kind of quirky, kitschy than, yes. than Beginners was. With Beginners had all those kind of like interstitial moments and stuff like that. And there's one little bit of that in the trailer for uh, 20th Century Women. But it mostly looks like it's about... A mother and her son, and Nat Benning plays the mother, and the son is a teenage boy, and they're kind of navigating this tumultuous time, um, right? Is there any plot beyond that that we can glean? I, n- I couldn't. Yeah. I don't know. Billy yeah. Crudup seemed to be. Oh doing right, Billy Crudup things. In it. Yeah. So that's a great group of people. Yeah. And it's a good. Elle uh, Fanning is. Oh right. Where has like a seventies haircut, which is great. Yeah, she she appears to be some sort of love interest for this teenage boy. So yeah. the question remains. Is this a movie about this boy or is it about his mom? Is it about Annette Benning? So right. is she a lead or is she a supporting? Who the heck knows? Right. In some cases, I sort of hope that she's supporting because Best Actress is so crowded this year yeah. that I would hate for another great Annette Benning performance where it's like, it's just not this year. Like, it's not going to go. So in supporting, yeah. I feel like she'd have a better shot. Now, she's yeah. been nominated once for supporting and three times yeah. for Best Actress. So yeah. supporting was The Grifters. God, remember The Grifters? How yeah, great I, was that? Yeah. yeah. Then American Beauty, Being Julia, The Kids Are All Right. Yeah. Fifth time's the charm, we hope. But yeah, it's a stacked year. Yeah. And, you know, so far... Hillary Swank does not have a movie coming out this year. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's the one I thing she's be okay. got yeah. going for her. <laughs> yeah. You know, I noticed a funny echo between the two trailers, actually, because the fences one is built around the kid asking the father, do you like me? Right. And at the end of the 20th century, women won. I think it's the kid asking the mother, Annette Benning, like, are, are you happy? She just says, Ugh, asking yeah. if you're happy is a great shortcut to being depressed. Yeah. So it's a funny, there's something in the water here. Uh, and also the way that they structure the trailers where the Fences trailer, most of it is just this one bit of dialogue, the speech by Denzel. And then the opening to the 20th Century Women is a speech by Jimmy Carter kind yes. of that plays over footage from the film without any dialogue and then we get dialogue sort of in the last bit of the trailer so and actually the response is amazing and totally made me think of the debate the other night Mm. with everybody watching jimmy carter and saying oh he is so screwed he's done and she goes i thought it was beautiful i feel (laughs) like that's how all of like blue america (laughs) felt after the hillary debate yeah all right an interesting time to go back to she looks very winning and likable in it and vulnerable and Absolutely. And Mike Mills made great things happen for Christopher Plummer and Beginners. Yes. A long career that was unawarded and then finally was. Uh, yeah. So Mike Mills, maybe he's the golden touch. Either way, 20th Century Women is going to be at New York Film Festival. I believe I'm seeing it next week. So I'll have more to report on that. So yeah, it's exciting. And Fences, it's actually happening. It's actually, they actually exists. Yeah, we're excited. I used to watch this perfect couple. They were the embodiment of true love. I want to start my life over again. I saw her. I saw her from the train. She was, she was with this man. Her? To a woman so heartless. 
All right, so let's talk about some actual complete movies that we've seen. That we've seen, mm-hmm. and we'll start with the girl on the train, which is based on this big thriller, right? By yeah, Paul uh, Hawkins and directed by Tay Taylor, who did the help. Yes, and did Get On Up, the James Brown movie. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a, he's an interesting director. The scuttlebutt on The Help was that he was best friends with Catherine Stockett, who wrote the book. And right. so we, she was like, I want my friend Tate to direct it. And whatever, yeah. that was my southern <laughs> accent. Sorry. It's pretty good. Um, and so we're like, okay, so maybe this guy's just kind of a, it was a fluke. But he's actually made interesting movies since, and Girl on the Train is one of them. Yeah. So it's, you know, when the book came out, it inevitably drew comparisons to Gone Girl. Yes. Because it, I think it was supposed to draw comparisons right. to Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the movie is very aesthetically styled on David Fincher's Gone Girl. I mean, you could do worse. Absolutely. Than and just look, base if, your styling on Fincher. If we're going to make Gone Girl, which a movie that I think is great, the sort of like new imitated standard for classy thrillers that, that come out in October, yeah. hey, yeah. I'm fine with that. Because uh-huh. I miss classy thrillers. Remember like the early 90s when they, I mean, actually, you know, Curtis Hansen dying brought up a lot of appreciation for The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, yeah. a movie that I think is great. And I wish we would kind of revive that. Yeah. sort of domestic thriller genre. And Girl on the Train does that to some extent. I think for our purposes, the most interesting thing is Emily Blunt in the movie. Yeah. She's in this lead role. You know, an actress who I've long loved and has been sort of cruelly overlooked Oscar-wise in her career. But this is a hell of a, a thing. She's drunk the whole time. She's crying the whole time. It's She's kind of creepy for half of it and then kind of sort of an avenging thing that the other half of it like it's a whole it's a performance really yeah, yeah. I mean she, it, does it not come out of her nose at any moment I think it's not, it comes out of everywhere it's <laughs> yeah. just I mean I mean the character as written I haven't read the book but my understanding is that she's basically just shit faced the entire time because she's right. really struggling with this addiction problem and, and I was like well I'm sure the movie won't do that I mean a big it's studio movie Emily with Blunt a, yeah with the drunk Emily Blunt yeah. they do it I mean she, goes she there. is pretty much wasted the whole time uh-huh. Very, and you get all yeah. the ritual alcoholic humiliations uh, uh, of, oh yeah. Uh-huh. yeah yeah we go through that and then and there's an interesting twist on it actually that uh, I won't spoil but like it's a movie about murder and about violence against women and all that uh, sort of familiar stuff that's done in an interesting way but it's also it really is a movie about like alcoholics and how their sort of worldview is structured and it's fascinating in that regard and Emily Blunt you know if she was giving the same performance in a serious drama about alcoholism, would be like on the top of everyone's right. list. Right. But because it's this kind of genre, tawdry, sexy thriller, I think, unfortunately, this performance will get overlooked, but I don't think it should be. Yeah. Well, and what is it about Emily Blunt? Because, you know, she has never been nominated for an Oscar, and she's been nominated five different times for Golden Globes yeah. and one uh, for TV. So fine. It was a, you know, TV movie Gideon's Daughter in 2005. But like I guess because she does too many comedies, she does yeah. I, well, I think know. she's associated more as a comedian right. um or a comedic actress and also she's done some action stuff. But she has such good taste is the thing. Like, yeah. The action yes. the big action movie she did was the wonderful Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise, the Doug Liman movie about like a Groundhog Day, basically guy repeating his day. And she plays the tough warrior, and he Tom Cruise is a sniveling kind of asshole, and she's great at it. Yeah, and or even Sicario. And I Sicario, mean, I yeah, love that movie. And yeah. I guess it's again, it's kind of in the genre space. Yeah. I mean, she almost her taste almost seems to include like I'd like humans to watch this movie too, which yeah, is which, hurting her at the Oscars. Well. I, you, know, you know, crazy I mean, idea. Someone's got a fun John Krasinski's directing career. Like, right. Better, uh-huh. better her than other people. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Her taste is a little commercial, I think you right. could argue. Yes. And that's okay. Maybe she's just building up enough sort of fan base to then be able to do whatever kind of warsy indie stuff that 
is really you know at her heart what she wants to do or maybe she just likes doing the big stuff yeah you know yeah. um but either way even though she's only been kind of in our heads as a an entity for about 10 years she feels like long overdue already yeah you yeah know? i don't know that this will be it but it could be all right yeah. well i like it i'm on uh, team emily blunt yeah it seems like it feels inevitable that she will make this transition yeah. eventually like many great comic actors mm-hmm. who sort of find that sweet spot yeah where they become oscar yeah i don't doubt that there are you know dozens of directors already who want to work with her who, who right. are like i have the performance for her that will do it you mm-hmm. know? i'm sure that there's a, a mile long line to do that so it's just a matter of time i, I guess seven feet barren strange fruit heavenly father we come to thank you for your word and your will. Blood on the leaves. And blood at the roots. You listen to him and you might just make it into heaven. Amen. Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze. Submit yourselves to your master's with all respect strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees brethren I pray you sing a new song sing praise in the assembly of the righteous let the saints be joyful in glory of the saints and a two-edged sword in their hands to execute vengeance on the demonic nations and punishments on those peoples to bind their kings with chains dishonor of all his saints praise the lord praise the lord sing to him a new song all right well listen last night i went and saw the birth of a nation which we've talked about before Obviously, it's now inseparable from this whole controversy over Nate Parker Mm -hmm. and his co-writer, who were accused of raping a woman when they were in college. He was acquitted, right? And the other guy was in more trouble, but it ended up being dropped. And then this horrifying sort of coda to the whole thing came out when the brother of the accuser revealed that she had committed suicide, Mm -hmm. which apparently Nate Parker hadn't even realized. There was talk about that there was some kind of harassment of her, which may have contributed. And so the brother seemed to be revealing it in the context of, I blame these guys. So all that complexity seemed to just sort of dash what had at one point been a lot of very high Oscar hopes for a movie that was coming through with a both kind of entertaining but also really disturbing view of slavery in the united states at a time when people seem to be craving an answer to the whole oscar so white problem right is Mm -hmm. that all fair to say i think so i mean when it premiered at sundance that was pre the oscar ceremony but the nominations were out and clearly there was an issue with with diversity so it felt like oh oh never mind we got this one it's right here guys we just saw it right another thing that has happened since then is that we've got moonlight we've got fences we've got loving hidden figures with taraji henson that they showed footage at toronto 
Yeah. So we're in a good position of no longer having to bet everything on like either Nate Parker can find redemption or we have another all white yeah. Oscars and like everybody <laughs> yeah. hates themselves. Yeah. But on the other hand, well, what about the movie? So I finally got to see the movie and I have to say I did not think it was a perfect movie by any means. No. But it is incredibly powerful. Mm hmm. And I really came away thinking people should just see the damn movie. Like, don't yeah. just don't prejudge it. And whatever you may think of Nate Parker, I think it deserves to be seen anyway. Not yeah. only because of the people who also made the movie in addition to Nate Parker, but also the people who are represented in the movie. And I think it's saying something interesting and actually disturbing about America, American history, our time right now. Yeah. You know, I saw it. Three days after probably watching uh, Do the Right Thing again after Bill Nunn, who played Radio Rahim, oh, right. died. Yeah. Yeah. One of the kind of movies that completely changed my life, frankly, when I went to see it as a forced you were kid on, You the were theater. the third person on the date with Barack and Michelle, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. In Chicago in 89. Yeah. But there's something similar going on. I don't think it's giving anything away to say that Nat Turner was a preacher who was kind of co-opted by white slave owners mm -hmm. and basically they were sending him around to try to have him placate slaves who were really starting to get rebellious because yeah. of the horrible treatment and there's sort of a context of like there's some kind of recession going on in the south yes right and so nat turner is a preacher who's brought around to sort of say follow your master god has a plan you know and, and taking stuff from the bible which does have quotes about slaves and their owners and all this stuff so really perverting the sort of message of christianity at the time into this propaganda tool for yes yeah, yeah right this incredibly selective reading yeah. of the bible yeah and then a series of things happen which kind of open his eyes. I mean, I think he's never naive about how horrible things are necessarily, no. but he opened his eyes to like what a useless path that is mm -hmm. to kind of keep accommodating, right? And so it reminds me of Do the Right Thing because it's that tension really between the kind of Martin Luther King and the Malcolm X yeah. paths apart from anything else. And do the right thing. Watching it again, I was reminded of what an incredible, strange, amazing, disturbing moment it is when Mookie throws the trash can through the window of yeah. Sal's. Yeah. After Mookie is the guy who works for Sal, this, you know, and you have sympathy for Sal in Do the Right Thing, just like you have for Army Hammer uh, in parts of, of this thing. Sure. And then when Nat Turner decides no i'm not doing this anymore in fact i'm gonna start an armed rebellion and kill as many people as i can it's a similar move to the one that spike lee did i think what's interesting is the complexity is not drawn out very much and i don't think that there's much complexity in killing white slave owners yeah, <laughs> the complexity yeah. that is there is there in the film but is not drawn out in a heavy way is like what happens to everybody else the retaliation that happens to everybody else anyway i don't yeah. want to get too deep into a movie that people haven't seen right but there is stuff to chew on here yeah oh absolutely and i feel like people should see it you know again yeah. like i don't know what happened and i don't want to get into defending him but i think people should watch it and make up their minds about the film you know what i mean yeah, despite right, my yeah. awareness of how the oscars work and how people are looking for reasons to disqualify stuff yeah no i i would agree with you what was the context of the screening was it just like a press or yeah. was it okay so there wasn't like a q a or anything like that it was no just, and i'll tell you it was yeah. packed it yeah, was no, i don't doubt there it. was a big long line which i've never seen at those really? magno screening rooms oh interesting and okay. pretty and every seat was taken yeah. so 
So I may be like saying something that no one's intending on doing. Like I think in some way people want to see the film and yeah. find out what's on the screen. I mean, the word from Toronto, while I would say the critic community, the sort of film writer community was kind of crickets on Birth of a Nation at Toronto, yeah. other than stuff about Nate Parker. But the movie itself didn't get a lot of press, I would say. Everything I heard was that these screenings at Toronto were packed with the public and press ones, and that it got stain ovations. So I think that the movie will be seen, and I think it should be seen. I think you're right. And I think that for those last 20, 30 minutes alone, which I think are the movie's strongest point, it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a powerful kind of thing. I don't know... I kind of think its Oscar chances have been torpedoed. Well, I think you're. I, I think you're right. I think you're yeah. probably 100 percent right. Um, except for the one that Krista Smith, our colleague in the West Coast, uh, brings up, and I think is worth considering as Asia Naomi King. Yeah, as Nat Turner's wife, Cherry. There's no reason to hold anything against her, nope. and she gives a really interesting performance. Not a ton of screen time, yeah. uh, but enough for a supporting actress. And uh, she gets nomination. she does high intense drama, but also there's a cute courtship that she's good, yeah. great in. And, and you see you know. at least three different sides of her. Yeah. So that could be the the base that gets touched, if nothing else, as a way to sort of genuflect to the movie to but be not, like, hey, yeah, we, yeah. you know, not everyone's <laughs> fault. Whatever the hell right. happened. Anyway, I found it incredibly powerful yeah i really did yeah. even though i was aesthetically thinking like all right i got this issue and that issue you i know, think he is a kind of a not super experienced director and that might come across at times it does but i think that you know in a, in a weird way that's kind of reminiscent of like la la land which has this great beginning this great ending and the middle is kind of eh. but yeah. like the great beginning and ending make up for the eh. i don't mind right. you know and i feel like birth of a nation its ending is so striking and well executed that yeah. no pun intended jesus um <laughs> it's like okay i don't know when i saw it in january this was pre all the stuff about his past but i was there for it you know i was into it so i don't know it's coming out in a couple of weeks i'm really curious to see yeah i mean i know that obviously it was bought for a ton of money by fox searchlight so they have if not awards hopes at this point certainly box office ones so i'll, I'll be curious to see Know that fizzy feeling you get when you read something really good, watch the movie everyone's been talking about, or catch the show the internet can't get over? At the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast, we chase that feeling five times a week. We talk about the buzziest movies, TV, music, books, and more. From lowbrow to highbrow to in-between, catch the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. Speaking of off-screen stuff messing with Oscar chances... We gotta talk about Anthony Weiner. Right. We gotta talk about Weiner. Why are they filming you? I don't know. I, I, most of the time, I don't know why they're filming. Are you somebody I'm supposed to know? It's Republicans wrapping their arms around Republicans rather than doing the right thing on behalf of the heroes. It was an absolute pleasure to see a Democrat not cowering. Married to one of Hillary Clinton's closest advisors. Never back down from anybody. A photo of an anonymous man's bulging underwear it was tweeted from Congressman Weiner's account. Today, I am announcing my resignation from Congress. The punchline is true about me. I did the dumb thing, but I did a lot of good things, too. Running for mayor was the straightest line to clean up the mess that I had made. This is Anthony Weiner calling. Yes, I'm not Anthony Weiner, the one running for mayor. Why do you think you deserve the second chance? I didn't want to answer. I'm giving you the answer. I thought you were thinking about it. I thought no, you were I'm trying talking to words. What I'm going to try to talk about is the issues facing New York City. Are more women going to come home? 
just a quick optics thing, you will look happy. No, push up, Anthony. Show it to me again. Oh my God. I can't believe I gave the press the finger. Can you remember? What I would like to talk about is housing in the Bronx. Any questions about that? Why should we trust We're going to try to look like we're holding together as a group. I am profoundly sorry. And for that, I am profoundly sorry. This is a meta thing because in the movie, he's fucking himself up with all this stuff and now he's messed up the movie about him messing up right it's like he just keeps the snowball keeps rolling yeah right yeah. i mean i don't know that anthony weiner has any interest in having an oscar f- no, to, no no for the documentary about him but yeah. that was definitely my sort of idea for number two oscar nominee right after the oj documentary exactly right yeah and yeah. maybe we'll see if ava duvernay's 13 comes in there and i'm sure there's many more documentaries to come yeah but it felt like if there were two locks of things that came out early in the year, it was Wiener and, you know, the OJ. Made in America. Made in America. Yeah. Now, Huma left him, which is never a good thing for one of these guys, right? As long as as long as Huma's standing by his side, yeah. you just think, all right, uh, how bad could it be? Yeah. You know, it, like like at some level, they must have an understanding or whatever. And just to back up a second, the sell of the movie is... On the one hand, you're like, Jesus Christ, this guy is such a schmuck. You know, I think it was Jordan Hoffman put it that way in his review. Like, snap out of it. What's wrong with you? On the other hand, kind of would prefer him to be the mayor than Bill de Blasio in some ways, I think a lot of New Yorkers think, right? He's he's a character. He's a goof. He's like a Shakespearean guy who sort of is capable in some ways, but keeps just kind of stabbing himself in the foot it's just like right. stop it <laughs> right. but yeah. he's like a crusader he's got passion yeah. like yeah. de blasio is just like oh you know does he even bother getting out of bed in the morning right wiener's got chutzpah but he is <laughs> clearly incredibly self-destructive you know now that huma's left him and then this thing with an underage girl where he's sending yeah. you know dick pics and one of the selfies he's got his little baby in the picture which yeah. I, seems to have been the last straw with huma yeah what do you think, Richard? Does this kill the movie's chances? Does the Oscars just think there's a limit of tawdriness where we just don't even want this guy on the red carpet? Well, I think that you had sort of articulated this to me when we were discussing, talking about it on the podcast, was that the tone of the documentary, while this fascinating psychological study, you're kind of supposed to like him. and yes. from Even though, yes, he stepped out on his wife and did all this kind of underhanded personal stuff, there's supposed to be some kind of... I don't know, sympathy or something to that. Yeah. The tone of the movie feels really off now because of this most recent stuff. I mean, especially with an underage girl. It's like, oh, okay, so this isn't funny anymore. It's now just kind of dark. And I think that really hurts the movie. Right. Yeah, there's this antic thing about the film where it's like, can you believe this crazy New York story? And can you believe he lets the camera still be there? I mean, really, it is a fascinating portrait of a narcissist. My God. Self-destructive narcissist. It is kind of the ultimate narcissist indiscretion where it's like, does he even ask them for pictures or is he just like, please look at my dick? Yeah, honestly, I think that seems to be Isn't it great looking? Isn't it wonderful? I'd love to send it to you uh, It's the modern form of walking around in a trench coat and flashing people. (laughs) Yeah, well, I guess it is, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it gets nominated. I certainly couldn't see it winning at this point. It's just too gross. No, no. I think, understandably, the Academy is probably going to be sensitive to a lot of this stuff just sort of optics wise because this is supposed to be their sort of reinvention year and you know right. i think that they probably want to not court controversy with that and i also think in a more sort of critical sense 
the OJ documentary is such an astounding sort of great American novel piece of work. Yes. If they can get voters to see it. So it's interesting. I got an email from the publicist for the film this week or last week. They're doing two or three more all-day screenings of it in New York for, I think, Academy people or whoever. They didn't specify who they're inviting, but they're trying to make a situation where there's it's catered and there's, you know, little breaks and cocktails and Q&A. They're trying to make that eight-hour thing palatable. Yeah. So I'll be curious about that. Well, I mean, it's just, it's always the case of, like, I just picture a Neutra house in Hollywood with Mm -hmm. light streaming through the windows. Like, can your film sustain that interest (laughs) on a TV with sunlight (laughs) blasting away at it? Right. Birds Uh, chirping. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Okay, one more wild card. What if Trump wins? Does that help Uh, or hurt Birth of a Nation and Wiener? Oh, God. Um... I think well, no, it's, so it's, it could really help. If Trump wins, uh, I don't know. Did you not? He said at the debate that he's going to give himself all the Academy Awards like, <laughs> and he's going to rename them. It's going to be, be just a Miss Universe pageant. Uh, no, I, Anthony yeah. Weiner needs to lose a lot of weight before he can come to my ceremony. <laughs> there okay. you go. Yeah, I think that certainly a Trump victory followed by a Trump inauguration right before the Oscars. Oh, God. I didn't like even saying that phrase. I mean, that would be sort of timing for everyone to in their own small way, rebel against his election by voting for maybe more controversial movies or something like that. I, I mean, know. Birth of a Nation, there's an element of... Rebellion? <laughs> yeah, yeah. To make the comparison between Do the Right Thing and Birth of a Nation might seem strange, but like I know what you mean exactly, because it is about rising up, and I think there is absolutely a sort of message about fighting back. Yeah. You know? So I think that could provide some interesting context for the movie, if the unthinkable were to happen. So, Richard, Best Actor. A yes. little bit less uh, competitive, seemingly, than Best Actress this year. Some of the people in the mix, uh, there's a lot of love for Casey Affleck in Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. Yeah. Joel Edgerton comes up a lot. Ryan mm-hmm. Gosling in La La Land. Mm-hmm. Denzel does indeed pop up for Fences. Yep. Dev Patel for Lion. I don't think that's going to happen. At least one point. person saying Nate Parker for Birth of a Nation. I don't know. What do you think? What's your What's your gut? You know, it's funny saying, oh, it's it's not as stacked this year. And then hearing you read that list, I'm like, oh, actually, there are. Michael Keaton for yeah. The Founder. Uh, Although I heard some whispers about The Founder in Toronto that were not so positive. Really? Yeah. Okay. So who knows mm-hmm, about that one? Mm-hmm. You know, I heard that it's very much just a Michael Keaton thing and the movie is not itself going to be sort of in the talk, which can sometimes hurt a thing. Yeah. You know, I think that why we kind of say that Best Actor isn't as crowded is because there have just been so many big, vibrant female performances this year so far, and and, yes. and the men are not quite as... I mean, Casey Affleck, look how kind of reserved and quiet that performance is. Yeah. But right now, and this is... I had realized that this is silly, but based on that trailer, I'm like, oh, Denzel. Yeah. Going to get number three. Yeah. That's what I think. I mean, yeah. did you get that similar kind of vibe from that, or, or am I... Yeah, well, I mean, I am such a sucker for Denzel. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, I loved Magnificent Seven. Yeah. And then somebody was explaining to me all the things that are wrong with Magnificent Seven as a movie. And I was just like, I hear you, but I don't care. Like, Denzel kills everybody. It's awesome. 
Yeah. That's yeah. just, you know, I'm happy. Like, I came and I got my money's worth. So, yeah, I don't know what it is about him. He does have that kind of samurai sort of self-possession. His sort of um, cadence and his body language are so distinctly him. It's yeah. Like it's a performance and then a Denzel performance. He sort of just gets into your system. Right. And I think it's really good, fortuitous timing for him that he has this kind of big populist Western action movie in September and then a kind of more difficult, serious Oscar drama later in the season because he's going to be still in people's minds yes. and they're going to be like, oh, him, right. Yeah, you know. Well, like, and yeah. It could and, be good for him. And Magnificent Seven's doing well at the box office and Hollywood likes that. I mean, one Absolutely. of the things is... You've got some great actors on this list who aren't quite full-on movie stars, with all due respect, to Absolutely. like Casey Affleck, Joel Edgerton. These guys are like, they're big. They're, they're, they're well stars, respected. But they are more known as like really great actors who can do a lot of stuff. They can't like, open a movie. They're not, right. They're not stopping traffic yeah. yet. That might happen. Sure. Casey Affleck probably avoided that. He could have had Wouldn't that. Wouldn't it be I'm funny sure. if he played Robin? to Ben Affleck's great Batman. <laughs> that would help. I do think that when they can, the Oscars like to get one of these people who does both, who puts sure. two things together. Well, yeah. For and, best actor. And, and Supporting actor is for your character actors. Right. And ABC wants traffic. it for ratings. Yeah. You know, that's, mm-hmm. we, we can't, you know, forget about that. So I think that Casey is definitely going to get nominated. But yeah. I think you're right that Denzel has such star power that that goes a long way. Yeah. You know. I mean, Ryan Gosling, he's a movie star and an sure. actor, actor as well. But more of a reserved... I mean, he's kind of like a reluctant movie star, too, a little bit. I feel like with Denzel, you genuinely believe he has better things to do. With Ryan, you're kind of like, does he really need to like, you know, avoid <laughs> yeah. us like this? Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I think Ryan Gosling also is a little generational. Right. So he, for younger people. He's, yeah. And yeah. he's sort of a crush object. Mm-hmm. And he was a meme with the hey girl, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Denzel's sort of more timeless in a grander sense, generation spanning. So, And the thing also about Ryan Gosling in La La Land, who, very good, but is just kind of really outshined by Emma Stone, mm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think he'll get nominated probably, but hers is the performance that's going to get. Right. And so she's going to be in Mortal Kombat with Viola. Interesting yeah. if it came down with in Natalie both Portman races. coming in, yes, in third, I think, yeah, galloping in in yeah. Jackie heels, yeah, uh, blood on her dress. <laughs> oh God, Jesus. it would be interesting if it came down in both cases to Fences versus La La Land. Talk about a contrast too, yeah. And La La Land, you know, for a movie about jazz is pretty white, so right. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I think there's going to be some stuff written about that as there was when Whiplash came out, but. Yeah, that would be interesting. But, you know, no one's seen Fences, so who knows? It would be interesting if those two movies were our top two. But I think for actor, certainly Denzel Washington is, you know, mostly sight unseen in the front. But Casey definitely, I mean, looking at Gold Derby, as I'm doing right now, there's a lot of Casey Affleck in the top spot. So, you know. And I know certain people on Twitter would get furious for kind of handicapping movies we haven't seen. So I I will admit, you know, we haven't seen Fences. We don't know. Well, we're not alone. We're not alone here. Yeah. Well, that's about it for this episode of Little Gold Men. Thank you very much for listening. Please rate and subscribe in iTunes if you love the show. You can also follow us on Twitter at Little Gold Men. I'm on Twitter at Mike underscore Hogan. Richard. Rylaws, R-I-L-A-W-S. Little Gold Men is produced and edited by Alana Milner. Thanks to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. And this week's award for best description of how our friends are coping with the presidential debates goes to Richard. She's drunk the whole time. She's crying the whole time. It's 
just kind of creepy for half of it and then kind of sort of an avenging thing the other half. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. Do you ever see a new face or name on your news feeds and say, who the heck is that? Our podcast, Who Weekly, is everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Think of us as your cheat code to People Magazine, your glossary for Hollywood, a shortcut to understanding pop culture at large. For the past eight years, Who Weekly has been telling listeners everything they need to know about the celebrities they don't. The New Yorker says we spelunk deep into the demimonde with convivial delight. That's a direct quote. Mostly, we're going to explain to you Irish star Barry Keoghan's sudden rise to fame and relationship with a not-so-under-the-radar pop princess named Sabrina. The fake wedding Real Housewives star Cynthia Bailey had to promote a limo rental company. And why all the Gen Zers you know are talking about a guy named Benson Boone. Each episode goes deep into the biggest celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we answer the most burning celebrity queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts.